Welcome back to Backwoods Theology. We're so glad to have you guys with us, and I'm so thankful that you are tuning in once again. Summer is upon us, and I'm so thankful for it, and I'm thankful for uh, being together with you guys in the great state of Maine. I was talking to a person this week, and uh, it was interesting. Uh, you ever, you ever, you ever had to deal with customer service over the phone? Mm-hmm. And I, I called our our internet provider, and I got this lady who clearly is not from the north. Hmm. And I said to her, I said, "You mind me asking where are you from?" And she said, "I'm from Tennessee." I said, "I can tell." Hmm. <laughs> and so we started talking about the South and different things like that. Well, she, I don't know what she was doing. She was typing something on the computer, and. Um, so she says, and you're obviously in Maine. So she started talking about the summers in Maine, how hot they are down there, and how are they in Maine. I said, Maine summers are amazing, and I'm thankful for it. But it comes with a price because you have to deal with the Maine winters. And um, so, but that's all right. Here we are, and I'm excited to be with Chad. Say hi. Hello. And James. Hello. What was that? <laughs> you said say hi. Oh, uh, sorry. So, hi. Uh, <laughs> My bad. Man. Listen to directions. Listen yes. to directions. Yeah. This is why... I'm very good at that. This is why you weren't made the voice of... Right. I don't, you'd really do a good I'm, job. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I think you do a good so, job. So, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful to have you guys and I'm thrilled to be back together. Bibles open. Some of us with pens. Some of us with pencils. Not a short pencil. That's right. But with a pencil and with coffee and with Coke. And we're here... And we're going to dive right back in. Now, again, listener, it's hard to, I know that. This is, what episode? Six. Episode six. six. Yeah. And I get it. Sometimes somebody introduces you to a podcast, and you want to listen to the newest episode, which is fine. But in in order to get some of this context, you got to go back. Um, You got to go back and listen to already uploaded, already uh, put on content from Backwoods Theology as we are uh, diving into the depths of some of the great truths found in the book of Revelation. Um, and not we're not even into the fun stuff yet. I feel like this is fun well, stuff. Well, no, 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 no. It, is, yeah. Yeah. it is fun stuff, but my point, we're not into the vials or the trumpets or mm-hmm. the seals. We're still in chapters one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. And um, this is this is great content. I am learning. I am thankful. Uh, I need to start bringing a pen and paper because now I don't have to go back and re-listen and write the notes then. Mm. Um, but at the same time, this has been a joy. And so I'm thankful with for you men, and I'm thankful to be together studying the Bible. Isn't it great to have friends? Yeah, And to study the Bible together with each other, um, talk about things, uh, uh, go through things. You know what? Can I say the word? Debate things? Sure. Um, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's um, iron sharpens iron. I agree um, to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been a joy. It's been fun. Last time, we were solving for X. I don't know if we actually solved for it, but um, but we talked about it. How's that? So I'm going to give it back to James again to continue uh, right where we ended, if you remember where we ended. Well, we ended last time. Um, I was what we call solving for X. And again, if, if you're a new listener and just you're going to uh, listen to this episode without going back, uh, I do believe when I think of 
studying the Word of God, I do think of mathematics. There's mathematics to the Word of God. There's a decency and an order, and there's a design. And so there are times where I have to determine what something is, for instance, X in an algebraic equation, and then I can go back and plug in X every time it's seen. For instance, let's say we solve for X last time, talking about the angel of the Lord and who the angel of the Lord is. Then I can go back to the hundreds of times in the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord is mentioned, and I can plug in X equals this, and it will help me to be able to better understand those passages. And so this past time, we were trying to place in time which age these seven churches are. And within the discussion, we got into uh, where we talked about the fact in chapter number one that I believe the one who is made manifest unto John is actually the angel of the Lord, who is the Old Testament manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and it helps. What that does is, is that helps me. It's another piece of X to be able to identify the age of these churches, because it, if, it's, if it is the angel of the Lord speaking unto them, then we know the angel of the Lord is not the one who speaks to churches today. Uh, there are other indicators in chapter one, guys, if, you know, which helps me set the time frame. Uh, we, we went through Revelation 1, 1, which tells us that it is an angel that is delivering this unto John. Verse 2 then speaks of John himself who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Notice these two things. They will appear multiple times in the book of Revelation, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. You'll see it again in verse number nine. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You'll see it again in Revelation 5. You'll see it again in Revelation 12. I believe you see it again in Revelation 14. That is the key that, you know, that will help us understand the first works to the church at Ephesus. What are the first works? The first works are the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, that you hold those things. Verse 3, blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. So notice there's three things. Readeth, heareth, and keepeth. And then notice this last phrase. For the time is at hand. What time? What time? Notice time is singular here. It's not plural like mm. in the last days perilous times shall come. It's speaking of a specific time. What I believe this is, well, again, to understand how God is going to deal with Israel in the future, we think of how he dealt with them in the past. The last, what message, what message was preached unto the nation of Israel when Christ came? Repent for the, specifically with this phrase, at hand. 
repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. John the Baptist was the first to preach that message, even before Jesus, in Matthew 3, Matthew 4, Luke, Luke, what's wrong with you, Wiley? (laughs) Matthew 4, after the temptation in the wilderness, the Bible says from that point forward, I think it's verse 19, began Jesus to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, the disciples were sent out, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, that is now not what is at hand for the nation of Israel. If this book is given to the nation of Israel, which I believe it is, what is at hand? What time is at hand? It's now no longer the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was offered and that offering was taken away. What is now at hand? Well, I believe it's Jeremiah. It is the time of Jacob's trouble. That is at hand. Hmm. And so I believe verse number three also sets the time frame for us as to the writing of Revelation, for the time is at hand. And so I do not believe that this isn't regarding the perilous times of the church. This is regarding the time, singular, for the nation of Israel. So I also believe that verse 3 is a time reference for us to help us to be able to date this passage of Scripture. I'll stop there. I'm the one doing all the talking. What do you all think about what I just shared with you? Um, if we, you know, looking at the, the book of Revelation as entirely future and prophetic, then it doesn't give us any sort of weird hang-ups like, well, what does it mean, you know, must shortly come to pass and the time is at hand? You know, we can wrestle with those expressions, especially if we believe the, se- the seven churches to be seven church ages, right? Because clearly, if you hold the seven church ages, and he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, which is the first church age, well, then the Lord, the time of the Lord's return is not at hand, truly. Um, does that make that, that makes sense? Mm-hmm. But if you hold Complete sense, right? So if we hold to it being a referring to the tribulation exclusively, it clears up some of that difficult language. Um, in those first few verses. And that reference to things which must shortly come to pass, Mm -hmm. I believe that's a reference to the Great Tribulation. Because again, I believe two and three are churches that are conducting themselves within the first three and a half years. And so the things which must shortly come to pass, as they are given this letter and they are reading it in the present, there's still things that have not yet come to pass. Mm -hmm. That the mark is coming. Again, that mark is so key during this period. It, it's mm. everything for the nation of Israel. Christ taught of it. I don't know if you realize, you know, if the listener realizes this, Christ taught of the mark. Those references in Matthew where he mentioned about, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. He's not referring to bodily mutilation there. He's not saying, well, bless God, I can't stop looking at this sin, so I'm just going to pluck my eyes out. You know, those are direct references to the mark of the beast, where he said, it's better. Because remember, the whole point of this eye and the hand is entering into the kingdom. Because Christ said, it's better for you to enter into the kingdom maimed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... It has something to do with entering into the kingdom. 
It doesn't have to do with preventing me from not looking at things I shouldn't look at or doing things I shouldn't do. It's specifically about entering into the kingdom. And I believe that's a direct reference to the mark of the beast, that they don't take it. And so this is preparing these churches for great tribulation. This is preparing them for the greatest temptation that they are going to face, and that is, do I believe God or do I believe the, you know, because again, Jews walk by sight. Do I believe God who I can't see or do I believe the God that's portraying himself to be God that I can see? Hmm. And that is why there's the angel of the Lord, I believe, which is a physical manifestation. Israel has always needed a physical manifestation of God in their presence. And so I believe these churches in the wilderness are going to go back to that, that the angel mention of these churches is going to be the physical manifestation of God that he is with them. But notice the physical manifestation is not Jesus Christ, not yet. It's the angel of the Lord. And so I believe that's the angel in Revelation 1.1, signified it by his angel. Unto John, it then describes John, who is describing himself, verse 2, he's describing himself in the tribulation period. Uh, notice um, he is um, holding to these two things that we see consistent through the book of Revelation. Um there's the admonishment in verse 3 to those who read this, who read it, those who hear it, and those who keep it, that the time that this book speaks of is at hand. The time's at hand. And this book speaks of tribulation. It's at hand. And so that leads us up to verse 4 where – and I find this to be interesting – None of the other letters where John wrote, he used his name. Yeah, okay. I In the Gospel of John, nor the three recently. epistles, yeah. he never mentions his name. Mm -hmm. But here John mentions mm -hmm. his name. Well, he's not the apostle to the church. You know, the apostle to the church, I believe, is Paul, you know, to the church age. But John here is identifying, he's not identifying himself as the other apostle or yeah, the yeah. one whom Jesus loved. He, his name is used twice, which I find to be interesting because none of his other four, the Gospel of John and then his three epistles, did he ever use his name. He always referred to himself as elder in uh, John, first, well, second John and third John, he said elder. What's interesting, first John chapter 1, 1 sounds so much like John 1.1, 1, 1, where mm -hmm. he speaks of the word of uh, Christ. But I, I find it very interesting that John identifies himself mm. here, which is unlike his um, other letters that he wrote. Um, but um, if you, if you uh, read down through this, um, when John begins to speak in verse number nine, notice all the tribulation references, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom, and notice he uses the word patience, 
Well, according to Romans, what worketh patience? Um, this is pointing them back, I believe, to James 5 as well, where the word patience is used multiple times in James 5, and that's where it says, remember the patience of Job, the mm -hmm. tribulation of Job. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the patience of Jesus Christ, the tribulation of Jesus Christ. Now, I can... For the listener, um, I know the three of us grasp, grasp this, but it's important. Sure. Words matter in the Bible. They do. They weren't just, well, this one makes, you know, well, this one sounds more, you know, poetical, or this one's prettier. There's a reason he uses the word patience. He didn't say long suffering. There's a reason he says tribulation. He doesn't say trial. You see what I'm saying? Right. Words matter. And I think sometimes we miss that also, because that really helps frame the doctrinal truth that's going on um, in the scriptures. So um, a few episodes ago, I was looking up, and I brought, uh, I mentioned it, but we didn't really talk about it. It was that word darling found in Psalm uh, 22 and Psalm 35. And um, that's the only time it's found, but, but words matter. I believe that's a reference to Israel. Um, but words matter in the scriptures. And so when you come across words, there's a reason why. You know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's not just a thought. Oh, John's going through hard times. Like, you know, he's on an island here. It's been bad. Great. I, I, I'll concede to that. That's true. That, that was history. But this is the word of God, not the word of John. So God in his awesome inspiration and preservation has given us the word tribulation, has given us the word patience. You see what I'm saying? Yes. That's vital to the study of scriptures. So you were going to say something. Yeah, and not even... So, so yes, the words matter, but also the process whereby we arrive at what a word means, right? Yes, And that is comparing yes. scripture with scripture, which is taught in the scripture. That's how the Holy Spirit teaches us is comparing spiritual with spiritual. So if I want to understand tribulation, um, it's my, the best way of understanding what God is talking about is not to consult uh, the latest English dictionary or even a contemporary English dictionary, right. but to compare spiritual things with spiritual to get the sense thereof. Well, can I add to that? I don't want to. I don't want to derail you. No. But this is important because Jeremiah twenty three twenty three is a good verse you brought up at hand. Mm -hmm. Okay, I uh, social media is great, and and I know I said that with tongue in cheek. Oh, that was sarcasm. <laughs> anyway, so I did a video one time on there. Um, it was it's a platform to share a devotional in the morning and I was sharing one out of Philippians and I, in Philippians four, it says the Lord is at hand. And I said, um, you know, that means the Lord is nigh, the Lord is near. And somebody commented, another pastor commented and told me that's not at all what that means. That just means the Lord has a strong arm. So I go to Jeremiah twenty three twenty three where it says, am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? 
that defines for me what at hand means. It's the opposite of afar off. Mm-hmm. That means he's near. Correct. So when I read Revelation 1 and it says the time is at hand, that's not talking about the time is powerful or the time has a mighty arm. It means the time is near. Correct. This is what's happening. And I don't have to, you know, go to a dictionary to consult what does at hand mean. I just, I actually, I did a word search. At hand. And it goes to Jeremiah 23, 20. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. And this backs up with what uh, Chad was just saying. It Letting the scripture define scripture, because that is a biblical method of study, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. That's the method by which God intended for the person to open up his word and do. Um, 1828 dictionary works. But that, to me, is secondary. My primary source of study is what the scripture defines. And sometimes it goes against what 1828 says. Ah, against, that's the wrong word. But if you're, if they you're, okay, there's a difference between accuracy and precision. Okay. Right. That's a good So word. it may give, it's going to give you an accurate definition of the word. But when, like, we're digging at precision. Yeah. And so comparing spiritual, spiritual allows for precision. That's right. And I think you just put that to use. Hebrews 2.12 says church. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Psalm twenty two twenty two says congregation, and it's quoting clearly Psalm the 22. same. Mm-hmm. That's right. So you're letting the Bible define right. So now the the word church, I believe the Bible has defined as congregation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of assembly, which I always have used, and and I and I believe it's synonymous. But if we're just going to use the word that the Bible used, it's congregation. Mm-hmm. That's good. And there's more examples of that we can do other times. I just think it's important. So all we're doing, I believe, in defining X is because I believe context of passages is very key. So I don't see how it's out of order for me to understand chapters two and three. I need to understand chapter one. And so I'm just pointing out things that I believe sets the time of chapters two and three. For instance... We've been reading it, okay? There's an angel once again, which we don't find in our New Testament era. The time is at hand. The reference in verse 3, I believe, points to the tribulation. Um, What um, It is the angel of the Lord, I believe, appearing unto John in this chapter. Um, I believe... What John sees when he turns around, what does he see? Verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. I believe what John sees, again, is an effort to point Israel back to the Old Testament. And so I believe the way that Christ is associating himself with these candlesticks that this is pointing back to the prophecy of Zechariah 4, which I believe clearly is speaking of the first three and a half years 
of the tribulation period. Why, you notice Christ isn't portrayed as a cloud, he's not portrayed, which he has been historically. Mm -hmm, He's been mm -hmm. historically portrayed as a pillar of fire. He has been historically portrayed as different things. But here, he associates himself with these candlesticks, candlesticks. And so that is the image that is given, which... Um, in Zechariah chapter number four, that is the vision that Zechariah has, which is prophetic in nature, and I believe it speaks of this time, for the time is at hand. What time? The time that was prophesied in Zechariah four, and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep. Verse 1, he said unto me, what seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick, all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps, which are upon the top thereof. (coughs) So we have candlestick, we have seven lamps, we have seven pipes, and the two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said unto me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. We see more information about these olive branches, which I believe are the two witnesses mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Revelation. The only other time it's mentioned is in Revelation, what is that, 11, when the witnesses are introduced. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left side thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then said he, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. That same language, Lord of the whole earth, is used in Revelation 11 when it's referring to um, the two witnesses, which the Bible teaches us are going to prophesy in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. So I believe the angel of the Lord in Revelation 1 is tying back to this prophecy in Zechariah 4, that there will be witnesses upon the earth. So here's, here's big picture. John is writing unto these seven churches, which are functioning in the first three and a half years. This congregation has been developed out of the preaching of the two witnesses who have been prophesying in Jerusalem but at this three and a half point, three and a half year period, when the desolation takes place, the witnesses are going to be killed, and that's when these churches are going to be taken to the wilderness, because the great tribulation is going to begin. I'm saying all that to say, 
I believe the way that the angel of the Lord portrays itself with these candlesticks is pointing them back to Zechariah 4, which is also contributing to the fact this is the first part of the tribulation period. Okay. It's all okay. that I'm trying yeah. That's what I'm trying to show. Yeah. That the word of God is is just once again, I believe Revelation one is setting the time of this mm-hmm. prophecy. At which point he's addressing these churches. Correct. Okay. Who are mm. functioning. I believe these churches are the result of the two witnesses who are proclaiming the word of God. These are people that have believed the prophecy of the witnesses. And so you have these congregations that are doing these two things. John John is a companion of them. He is is, um, keeping these same two things, for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Those two things are key. Those are the two things that the beast is going to hunt down. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, and who is the Antichrist going to hunt down? Isn't that Revelation 12? That's Revelation 12 and verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Those that have already been slain, that would be Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain. Why were they slain? For the word of God and for the testimony which they held, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So that that theme just seems to go out through the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. those two things. And so I believe big picture here, um, this is the first half of the tribulation, the witnesses are prophesying in Jerusalem. There are those who are responding to that. These seven churches are a result of that, but there is coming a time which God is preparing them for. Repent or else uh, repent, do thy first works, because at the halfway point, the... Spirit of Antichrist is going to be released out of the bottomless pit, and everything's going to change at the halfway point, and great tribulation is going to come, and that is when God is going to take them out into the wilderness. So so I believe this also sets time frame for us, verse 12 and 13 how the angel of the Lord portrays himself, points us back to Zechariah 4. Okay. Well, that's it. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for listening to... Yeah, yeah. Just... All right, so can we... Let's start digging then. So let's... Can we talk about... All right, so if we... Holding, you know, looking at things this way, how then do we look at... Um, verse 19 of chapter 1, right? Because John is commanded to write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. Um, typical, this, this is how we would look at the organization of the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and the, thi- the things which are, right, would be what? In a, in a, in a 
traditional understanding. Okay. Well, do we talk with past first? Can, well, the traditional yeah. approach of verse 19 yes. has always been, I say always, for the most part. Right. Um, um, this is how I was taught when I was in Bible college. This is how I was taught by every pastor that's ever preached through Revelation. The things which thou hast seen, chapter 1. The things which are, chapters 2 and 3. The things which shall be hereafter, chapter 4 through 22. Okay. That's how I've always, I do not view it that way anymore, but that's how I was always taught. But we and can how understand. I viewed it very regularly, but yes, go ahead. But, and we would understand that if you look at the churches as church age, yes, that 100%. makes sense. That yeah. makes total sense that it would be divided that way. Mm -hmm. But now we have to reconcile that with viewing these churches as well, tribulation only. Yes, especially when you look at the timing of chapter one. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, mm -hmm. which we've already discussed that. That's not talking about Sunday. Right. That's talking about the day of the Lord. Right. The timing of this of this book is the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So if that's the timing, that goes, and we keep using this word. It's it's a modern word, but let's keep it up. This jives with the things which are. Right? If he's in the spirit and the Lord's day, if that's the if this is the Lord's day book, the day of the Lord, he's writing it from the perspective of this is when it's happening. This is the present. Does that make sense? So you're saying the things which thou hast seen, mm -hmm. okay, and the things which are, so things which are is present tense. Yep. So you're saying he is at the at this because again I'm looking at things in a linear sense right now. God All transcends right. time. I understand that. I agree with that. But at the right, when he's writing verse 19, the things which are, if you're to put that in a particular point in time in history that is at the second coming, he's, the things which are is the second coming, the things which thou hast seen is prior to that, and then the things which shall be hereafter is what, kingdom and eternity? How do you divide it? I, I divide it as the things which are, because the day of the Lord is not just his second coming. Sure. Okay. But it is everything associated with that. Yes, which would include, I think we'd agree to this, the seven years of tribulation. So, right? Am, am I wrong in that? Well? I, I've, got, I've got an answer. I think it is the answer, but I don't, I don't want to be cocky. No, go. Go. <clears throat> the things which thou hast seen, the things which are, mm -hmm. things which shall be, first advent, tribulation, second advent. I agree to that. Listen, listen to First John. Okay, the things that thou hast seen, First, first John, John 1. 1, 1. Yes. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly. So John is writing about that which he has seen. He he did it in First John one so, as well. So the things which thou hast seen, first advent, the things which are to me the 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 day of the Lord is all-encompassing of the tribulation and his second coming. Can I even throw in millennium? 
I think. Well, the things which shall be hereafter. What is the point at which he is describing? Right. So this I is going to be great tribulation, and the relief to that great tribulation is his second coming. That's that's the relief of it. Okay. The other perspective you could have is. Okay, John, write that which thou hast seen. In every letter, he talks about the works of the church and what they've done. And then he speaks of their current condition. Mm-hmm. Hey, you've left your first love. Things which are. That's what's which are. Mm-hmm. And the things which shall be <clears throat> hereafter. If you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. Mm. So, you know, it's twofold. I don't know if it's dual fulfillment. It could be speaking of Israel as a whole, that which thou hast seen, which is and which shall be hereafter. Or it could be for each specific church, here's what you've done, here's your current condition, here's what's going to happen if you do or do not repent. Hmm. So that's what I... would. So that's how I would view verse 19. Would you view verse 19 also, again, he's in the day of the Lord. He's already there. That's the things which are. That is the present tense. God has, supernaturally, because he can do this, transcend John into what you and I would call our future. Not our future, but but you know what I mean? The future. He's he's past 2023. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So God has transcended John to that that is now John's present. The things which are. The things which shall be hereafter, could we also say that's that's Revelation 21. Mm-hmm. That's the world to come. Mm-hmm. That is that is eternity. So I I view this verse I used to, chapter one, chapter two and three, chapter four and following. Right. I view it now, chapter uh, things which are, I said, things which thou hast seen. That's the gospel of John. That's first John. Right. The things which shall, the things which are, that's Revelation one through uh, 20. The things which shall be hereafter, 21 and 22. That's how I view Historically, how has God historically dealt with Israel, including Christ's first coming? How is he currently dealing with Israel? How will he deal with them? Mm -hmm. Hmm. Um, Is the way, forgive my voice, is the way that I view that, that it's from an Israel perspective, not a church perspective. The day of the Lord is for Israel, not for the church, Right. Right. Just so, like just like Israel cannot claim the rapture, it is not for them. That's right. It's not for them. The second return of Christ is not for the that church. That does not mean, because I've had this question, that does not mean Jews aren't going to be raptured. Not if they've trusted Christ. Because right now, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Correct. This is the church. Mm-hmm. Correct. So if you are saved and you are Jewish, you're no different than if you are saved and you are a Gentile. Right. Correct. I think you have to like- You are the body of you Christ. Have, you have to parse out, there's more at work here- than just one's ethnicity, Amen. but the purposes that God has committed Himself to accomplishing through the nation of Israel. Yes, that is that's the neither Jew nor Gentile doesn't. We have to take that into consideration. There's there's more at play here than your ethnicity. It's what God's accomplishing. Well, the Bible there. says, "Give none offense," and then it gives Jew, Gentile, the Church of God. Right. So I believe a saved Jew is. The Church of God, God. saved mm-hmm. Gentiles, the Church, the Church of, God. of God. So that reference... Those are your three distinctions Jew-Gentile are unbelieving, mm-hmm. you know... Right. There's the unbelieving Jew, there's the unbbelieving Gentile, and, and then, then there's, there's the, the Church, Church of God. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. Mm-hmm. So when the rapture takes place, the Church is going to rapture the Church of God, yes. who is made up of... Going to be Jew and Gentile. Former, right, right. We have a good friend who's a Jew who is saved. Right. You know what I mean? He's, he's being raptured. Yeah. Right. He's part so, of the Church of God. That's right. 
So I'm just pointing out in Revelation chapter number one, we don't even have to look at two and three, all the Jewish references. I believe we can time the prophecy by all of these references in chapter one, is all that I'm trying to do here. In order to solve X for two and three, chapters two and three, well, I believe Revelation one sets the time frame for us. And it doesn't go... If Revelation one has set the time of the day of the Lord, then why do we go to Revelation 2 and 3 and go, well, that's the church age? You know what I mean? It doesn't work. It, 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 does, it doesn't fit in the grammatical context of the scripture, of the book, if we all of a sudden just jump back to, oh, this is during the church time. You know what I mean? If it's clearly seen in chapter 1, this is, this is the day of the Lord. You see what I'm trying to say? I'm, I'm kind of backing up with what you're saying. I, recently, I recently told... Churchill, people of Churchill Baptist Church, if I begin to preach the doctrine of Revelation 2 and 3, you would kick me out of this church, because mm -hmm. it is not consistent at all with the doctrine which we preach today. It's not. Unless you... And this is the... Unless you hyper-spiritualize right, everything. Right, right, right. Instead of just taking what the Word of God says. Um, <laughs> so do you want to... Look at all of the churches, or do you feel like, okay, we've kind of, for a listener, we've said, hey, take a second look at these churches through this lens, come to your own conclusion. Do you want to work through every church, or do you want to then say, okay, now this is how we look at Revelation 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 1, which again, in this more traditional dispensational view, Revelation 4, 1 is made rapture. out to be the rapture, mm -hmm. what then, how then do you... Have you given thought to that? Yes. Okay. Um, Revelation 4.1, the after this, I don't... <clears throat> I don't take. I don't believe that pictures the rapture. I don't. Maybe. maybe uh, can I restate the question? Sure. Maybe even taking a bigger step back. How does this change how you look at the structure of the Book of Revelation overall? In other words, you know, you made mention to it being four laps, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, right? right? Right. I look at it. It's it's commentary on itself. Um, which would, which again, that works with the Gospels. Yep. So okay. where do we put those divisions? Well, let me let me show you what I mean. I, I think as well. That's good. I, I mentioned the linear line that we just think in our mind the Word of God is a linear line, and that's why we get confused with the Word of God coming back on itself, mm -hmm. giving commentary to itself. We also believe that when prophecies are given, they're just either all given at one time or they're given in perfect order, and they're not. They're not. Um, not only are they given during different times, Daniel gives prophecy during the time of three to four different kings. Mm -hmm. And also, Daniel 7... I have to fit that back somewhere between Daniel 4 and 5, because in Daniel 6, it's very clearly that Darius, the king of the Medes, is in power, but Daniel 7, 1 begins in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Mm. Well, he Daniel, died in chapter 5. Daniel had a dream and visions yeah. of his head, 
upon his bed. The same thing says in Daniel 8, verse 1, in the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar. Then in Daniel 9, in the first year of Darius, now it's back to Darius again. Chapter 10, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Uh, so Daniel's, you know, the recording, Daniel is writing down a vision he had years ago, mm -hmm, according mm -hmm. to the chronology of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. So just the after this is the next part of the prophecy. Notice John's place has changed. Mm -hmm. He's upon the earth. Now he's in heaven. So... Um, Okay, me, it helps me get it it's just in the first book of the Bible. Okay, Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image. But what happens in Genesis 2 when he formed man to the dust right, of the it's ground? A, it's a flyby, flyby again. You see what I'm saying? Comes Circle back. It's doing the same thing. So it's really not that far for us to get that. You know no, what I mean? It's not, you know, and so, those timestamps are given to us to indicate you know, this is a flashback, or yeah. this is a, a we're fl yeah. we're flying by this again. So we, so it shouldn't be too hard, I guess, to get that same understanding with the book of Revelation, right? Because we get it with Daniel, so we get it with Genesis. The term after this, I believe, people take that as some cataclysmic event has happened. That's what the term after this means, and we come to that simply by the absence of the word church mm -hmm. used again in the book of Revelation, although. I believe, again, you use the rest of the Bible, the church still exists upon the earth, uh, not the New Testament church that you and I participate in today. Because we're raptured up. But again, it's, it's because we fall into the trap of, uh, okay, the law of first mention. Are you sure this is the first time it's mentioned? Hmm. Just because it's the first time... In pages 1 through 1,389 of my Bible doesn't mean it's the first mention. Hmm. They're... Well, you're, you're making the distinction between mention But also the in final mention. Order. Mentioned in mentioned order of... In order. Of, of scripture pages going through your Bible. It. Or is it chronologically this is the first... Well, and there's a and debate the to same. be had there. There's and it's the same as the final use. Mm -hmm. Like I said to you, I believe the final use of the word church is Hebrews 12. But chronologically, chronologically, the book of Nehemiah should be at, like you mentioned, the end of the Old Testament. Testament. should be at the end of the Old Testament. So, you know, our Bible, and, and that's, and please, listeners, you're listening. We're not saying there's any error in the Bible or the construction of our Bible. No, no, no. It's just our Bible is arranged topically. And not chronologically. It's it's arranged, I believe, in a topical manner. And so in Who are, but do you believe the arranging of it, God superintended the I believe arrangement? They're yes. supernatural oh yes. So, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, when you know, this is not the purpose of our It's not man made arrangement conversation, but you know, law first mention, you know, I would take it to mean if God superintended the order of the scriptures as I have them. That is a weighty consideration in determining for me the law first mention. You know what I mean? Because technically, instance. Job, Job's right. Your first. The Garden of Eden is the law of first mention. Genesis two or Ezekiel twenty-eight. Sure. That's what I mean about the. Okay, because I believe Ezekiel twenty-eight precedes Genesis. Well, 1. okay, ready. It's the first mention, but it's not the first occurrence. Okay, I agree to that. Okay, yeah. yeah. I see the distinction there. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Okay, good. I'm right, right. Gonna, I see that. Wrap Chad, it up. Chad's a wordsmith. I, before I, before I mess, brother anything. Chad just dropped the microphone. He's I've walking off the stage. So <laughs> Boom. All right. See if I if if I could get into the big leagues, you know, Major League Baseball. Yeah. And I'm kind of a, you know, I'm just a triple. I know I'm not going to have a long career. Let's say I get a hit my first at bat. Right. Done. Done. Stop. Send me back to the minors. Right. Yeah. right here. <laughs> so, and so when we come back to our organization, our structure for the book of Revelation, you have four perspectives. Is that what you're saying? Four, Josh. Yeah, we're looking Aren't at you. Are you the four loops you talked about? I didn't mention. Yeah. It. Come on, the guy. The four loops. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Do you have that in front of you? Like, well, this is, I, I would start and finish it. I, I don't. Okay. Not, like, not. Well, I think, so, I think you just mentioned it. Now we need to just go back and prove all things to see if that. It's it. Like yeah, you yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this, th- this, we would then say then seals, trumpets, bowls, same thing. I do not believe the seals, trumpets, and bowls are 21 different judgments. Okay. There's seven different judgments. I believe there's seven. And that, because that actually helps us, because that's what Leviticus says. Leviticus 26. It mentions seven judgments. Okay. Um, mentions seven plagues, yes. seven judgments. So, well, then, well, oh, there's 21. Well, then God lied in Leviticus. Yeah, that, that's just where I'm at. Now, the four, I would mention the four, because, you know, seal, judge, uh, seal trumpet, vial, those are three. The fourth one would be, Can I say the the saved ones view of the day of the Lord? Can I say it like that? Is that weird to say it like that? So not the ones going through the seven plagues, but the ones who don't go through this. So you're saying a perspective of believers in heaven or on earth? Well, four and five clearly is in heaven. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's how I would view that. Okay. The ones that are not going through it. Okay. As the... As the the circle. Okay. So you think there's three, James? Well, let me go back to, here's how I believe the circle backs, okay, is Revelation chapter six is the giving of the verdict. The scroll is handed down. Yep. Christ reads the verdict. We know that these are not okay, this event being carried out, because again, the sixth seal is the return of Christ, mm-hmm. his second coming. Okay, so you're so, saying chapter five is the verdict? Which, which where's the verdict? Chapter six, the seals. Yeah. The verdict is That is the, the verdict being read. Okay. The verdict is being read. Like, okay, this is just... Okay, I, I don't usually like earthly analogies, but here's one. Okay. Man, it, Josh is on trial. Okay. The verdict is handed to Chad, the judge. Mm-hmm. The verdict is read, and the judgment is determined. You're going to go to jail for 20 years. Then they carry out that verdict. You're taken out of the courtroom, and you're put in jail for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Revelation 6 is the verdict being given. Then the rest of the revelation is that verdict being carried out. The judgments are being carried out. Okay. I've heard it this way. 
Okay. It would be the indictment and the seals. The trumpet, trumpets in the scripture are always announcements. So there's the indictment. This is what you're indicted for. This is the trumpet. This is the announcement. And then the vial is the pouring out of said judgment. Okay. So I've heard it that. You know what I mean? Not, I'm not saying I, I, I'm i all, I just backing up because I've heard. But do they correspond? Is it is it the first seal, the first trumpet, and the first vial or bowl? They're, they're corresponding. So one, you know, the first seal is also the first trumpet mm-hmm. is also mm-hmm. the first. I believe so. I haven't gotten that far yet. <clears throat> I believe the seventh seal, Revelation 8.1 which is silence mm-hmm. for the space of half an hour. It's the only time in the Word of God where the term half an hour is used. Mm-hmm. Hour is used many times. I believe that's the vengeance of Christ. That is his return. It's his vengeance. And so that's why if we don't account for all these loops back, if we just try to say, okay, here's our chart, I'm going to make a straight line, Revelation 4, Revelation 5, mm-hmm. Revelation 6, Re- it is just because, like you said, you have the in Revelation the return six, of Christ. It's the return of Christ. It's all done. That's right. It's all over. So um, the reference to the kings of the earth in Revelation six hide us from the face of Him, where it says um, Revelation six sixteen and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of Him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. That's the great white throne judgment. That's that's Revelation twenty and verse um, um, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Revelation twenty, verse eleven, and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So Revelation 6, I just believe, is the judgment given, it's given, then it's carried out. The judgment is carried out in the rest of the book. And so you will see the carrying out of this judgment, and it just refers back to these seven, these seven seals. Um, but you're still seeing them as loops. Yes. Well, I, I mean, okay, we mentioned the sixth, okay? The sixth... Trumpet, angel sound and heard a voice, the four horns, the golden altar, which is before the God. This is Revelation 9. Saying to the sixth angel with the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. The four angels were loosed. Sixth vial. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. And the water thereof was dried up in the way the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast. The river Euphrates is both mentioned in the sixth trumpet and the sixth vial. I believe what it's doing is it's building upon itself and giving us greater detail and greater information. Well, you also have at the end of chapter seven, the wiping away of all tears. Yes. Right. That would be seven, seventeen, And then also, was it chapter 21, mm-hmm. where God wipes away all tears mm-hmm. from their eyes? And, and chapter seven... Chapter eight rather opens up the the trumpets. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's that repetition again. Mm-hmm. Um, same with chapter sixteen when the vials are open. 
So and we're getting way ahead. We're we still, are. We you are. know, we're still finalizing chapters one, two, and three. But I and, think. Okay. Sorry, my mind just went to. And I mean, I'm not going to say. And I don't know again whether we go into each church and show each reference to the tribulation. Uh, we can do that. Um, Here's what I. I okay. Here's I'm back at the overview perspective, right? Because chapter 4, verse 1 says, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Mm-hmm. So that maybe the things which are, is it's referring to, um, you know, from Revelation one nineteen. maybe the things which are refers to the three and a half years in which right. he's writing to those it's churches. It's great tribulation mm. and kingdom. Right. Mm. And the things which shall be hereafter where John goes up to heaven, he begins to see that great tribulation pour out. And, okay, let's say, well, John has to represent the church. He has to represent the church. Well, well, I would say this, you notice John is taken off of the earth. He's taken out of that tribulation. Well, if he has to picture the church, the halfway point the church is removed and is taken out into the wilderness. Sure. Yeah. So where the angel of the Lord is going to take care of them. Hmm. Um, so if you have to say, well, something's removed. Well, something is removed at the midway point. The church is going to be removed from... It's called their flight in Matthew 24, where Jesus yeah. said, pray that your flight isn't in winter, or it's mm-hmm. not on the Sabbath day, or that you're a woman with child." When the flight comes, that is when they are literally going to flee Jerusalem. They are going to flee the city and fleeing from the wrath of the Antichrist. So you think that these seven churches are going to, at some point, come to Jerusalem? Yes. I believe that when the temple is assembled and dedicated and their, ma- their manner of worship is reestablished... That is naturally going to bring Jews back to the homeland. Okay, but is that manner of worship going to be Old Testament? Yes. I believe they're going to sacrifice again. I believe there's going to be animal sacrifices. Um, and this opens up going, a whole lot of questions. They're going <laughs> back to that Old Testament mode mm-hmm. of worship, and that is going to... And think... The Antichrist allows this because it's bringing the enemy right to him. Mm-hmm. It's bringing mm. the enemy to him. What's the greatest way to defeat your enemy is but to bring him to you. Right. And so this is naturally going to bring the Jew um, to uh, Jerusalem, and there's going to be this peace. But the Bible says, where's the reference? Okay, let me... The reference to... And this is the the depiction of the Antichrist with a bow but no arrow. Um, I think that's Revelation. Well, I know that. That's rev- that's the first depiction. No, okay. so is Zechariah. Those four horsemen of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. I don't believe it's four horsemen. I believe it's all depiction of the Antichrist. Okay. He's depicted four different ways. Um, what I'm referring to is Daniel 8.25, and through his policy... Also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. 
He also shall stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. So there's going to be there's going to be a time of peace unto the Antichrist, but the Bible says he's going to use that peace to destroy many. Mm-hmm. That's kind of an oxymoron in our mind. We just think peace is fruitful and blessed right, and wonderful. Right. So he is going to lure the Jew, and I believe there is going to... Now, I don't believe all Jews are going to come back to the homeland, but there's going to be a natural desire to come back to the homeland because what they've been praying for is now coming to pass. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is how he's going to deceive them. Remember Matthew 24, that he deceived the very elect. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring them back by giving them what they've prayed for. And they're going to enjoy it for a little time, and then they're going to have to flee. And that's when they're going to go to the wilderness. Which I believe that is prophesied as well. Christ mentions it in Matthew 24, where he makes every commentary is going to say it was already fulfilled, which I don't believe it has been, No. where he says, not one stone shall be left upon another. And everybody says, oh, that was in AD 70. That doesn't work because there's still, still, the still a wall standing. Yeah. There's still a stone upon another. So whatever temple is going to be rebuilt that the Antichrist sits in, I believe that one's going to be leveled. And because in Psalm 102, the Bible says, when the Lord shall build up Zion, he shall appear in his glory. And then he says in Zechariah chapter 6, and speaking to him, verse 12, speaking to him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, which you know that would be Christ, right. and he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Even he shall build the temple. He said it twice. And he shall bear the glory and shall sit upon, sit and rule upon his throne. He shall be a priest upon his throne. A council of peace shall be between them both. Yeah. So this temple... The third temple is going to be going to be leveled. Mm -hmm. That's when one stone's not left upon another. Mm. Yes, that's why he says because he only says in Matthew twenty four, in reference to and he's an Olivet discourse talking about pray your flight be not in the winter. Mm -hmm. One stone will not be left. It's going to get the judgment of Sodom. Yes, I thought Sodom was already destroyed. It's Jerusalem. Revelation Jerusalem. says spiritually. Okay, I'm not trying to get away. <laughs> Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Yes. And G- then he... By God, God is going to destroy it. And we're not talking about when he melts the element with a fervent heat. He is bringing judgment to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the harlot. They, mm-hmm. they have been unfaithful. All these references in these letters to the seed of Satan, the synagogue of Satan, all of these things, it's referring to Jerusalem. That's where it's referring to. It's not referring to some church that was in AD 412 where the seed of Satan was. Notice it says where the seed of Satan is. 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 So it's these Jews who are worshiping in Jerusalem, but it is the synagogue of Satan. So... Really? Okay. So so the charge, you know, okay, if I'm a Jew in year two or year three or whatever, and I'm reading the book of Revelation, the charge to me to be faithful mm-hmm. and overcome is given to me in the face of watching my countrymen return to Jerusalem 
and engage in worship. And you're saying no. That is completely unnecessary. Yeah, correct. That is a deceit of, I, I know it's a deceit of the Antichrist. Hmm. Um, right? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I try to put myself yeah. in the shoes of... Okay. Well, these all these references to those who say they are Jews and they are not. Have you ever considered that this podcast, like this podcast? Oh boy, are you gonna are you gonna go there? I know where you're about. To no, say. I'm just saying, is it possible? You know that even something the vestiges of a podcast like this that the Lord could use for a time like that, where I knew there's you're gonna say that. Think, think about that, not yeah. for our glory, but for God's. Can you imagine, like if if there's a, a, a Jewish father with a few children who's trying to figure out the world that he lives in, and there's these, like, rednecks in Maine <laughs> that are like, brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I shouldn't say this, but um, this m- may or may not have begun the process of writing these things down. And I, I hate to say that. I, the only reason I say that is uh, this other man in our church, we... we uh, have strongly talked about the process of writing these things down. I get the first signed edition. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's just a huge, it's a huge undertaking. It's also daunting because, um, you know, 98% of Christianity is going to go into this thinking, wait a second. Right. This flies in the face of everything I believe, but, preach. But, but it doesn't matter because in the sense of if even those that are believers, they're not going to be here for this. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be here. So, And I, I, you know, I haven't named this person, but I, I'm going to. Um, this is a man in our church. Um, we should get him on the podcast. We... <laughs> His Bible understanding is is he's great for me because we we really challenge each other. Um, this his name is Cody Cogswell. He teaches our adult class. He's been teaching these things. He and I have been talking about these things for a few years now, and um, we're we're both together. We're 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 sharpening each other. We meet. We're we're now meeting weekly, and we're just planning this. Um, and I'm very thankful for him. I, I'm very grateful. The only reason I haven't named him before is because, you know, I didn't want to embarrass him or bring, but I, I do believe in giving credit where credit's due. And I'm just thankful. I, I'm, I've found a, a young man that can discuss this. We're like-minded and I'm just grateful and thankful for it. And I'm thankful for him, how he helps me in my life, and we both help each other. Mm. We met this week, and I think we both taught each other things. He's like, "Wow, I hadn't," you know. It's, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's so much fun doing that, having two perspectives, men that are like-minded, and you're just working these things out is really mm-hmm. neat. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful. And if we can help, if I can help anybody, um, I, I want to. Mm-hmm. Help anybody. Now, again, these things, can we re- reiterate again? I don't plan to be here right. during these yeah. events. Right. Yeah. So these are not things that, okay, unless we're in agreement about these things, we just can't We just can't be in the same room together. And I mean that with the two of you, that I'm not doing this to bring us all to, you know, you have to believe my way or the highway. It's not at all. I want God to win. I want his word to win. Mm-hmm. And... 
uh, and it's not that we're this is still profitable for us, mm-hmm. even though it's not written about us or to us, it's still very profitable about uh, for us because, again, it teaches us of God. Yeah. And that's the key. We have to keep that in mind. We have to get past our, well, what's in this for me? It's about Him. Right. It's about Him. Right. That was a good dig. Yes. Good dig. I've actually got to get going. I got to get to a doctor's appointment. So. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, the world can know that. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> well, so next time we record, well, yeah, let's go. Well, you know what? It's, yeah, let's not talk doctors. We all have. Isn't that funny? We're all at that fun spot where we swap stories about what's getting drilled or cut up, <laughs> cut up or swapped out. Yeah, this is my. You know, I've developed asthma. That's why probably you hear me. My voice is raspy, and so I'm just going to my lung doctor. All that hard preaching. Mm. Yes, leather lung. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got to wrap it up, Josh. Oh, man. Hey, take, take us home. once again, thank you for listening to Backwoods Theology. I hope that you are uh, gleaning, not from our voices or our words, but gleaning from the Word of God. And um, I'm thankful for all of you. Again, if you haven't subscribed, please do so. Like, share, comment. Uh, our email is backwoodstheology at gmail.com. Uh, you can send an email if you have a question. I'm sure we're going to get some, but go ahead. Can I can I just say that I, we appreciate when we get feedback? Yes, because it challenges our understanding and thinking. One hundred percent. And so, like, yeah. if you say, "Hey, brother, y- you missed this," or maybe you should think about this, I would rather hear that. Let God yeah. be true, and every man a liar. Yeah. And there's been several uh, listeners that have reached out and said. Um, hey, think about this, and I've appreciated that. So, sure. 100%. Yeah. So thank you for your feedback. Thank you for your listening, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again here on Backwoods Theology.